You're listening to the Gates Church Podcast. For more information or to support this ministry, please visit thegates.org. Wow, it's good to be back. For those of you who, who are saying, who are you, for real, I am one of the pastors here, and um, I'm saying it's good to be back because I was on a sabbatical, a kind of a study rest sabbatical for the summer, for the two months in summer, uh, which I had a chance to, you know, kind of step away from the, the, the weekly and, and uh, daily responsibilities of being a pastor in exchange for some me and God time. And um, also time to do some reading and studying and, and hanging out with my family. So I did that. I did a lot of reading, which is great. Um, read a lot of fantastic books, really challenging books. Also did a lot of praying. Also did a lot of thinking about the direction of, of the gates and, and where God's leading us as a church body. And um, on that note, keep your eyes and ears peeled and your hearts open for some changes that are going to be rolled out. Um, not, not lots of changes, not crazy changes, but hopefully some good changes uh, that'll, get, that'll get us moving forward and keep us moving forward. Um, and I know that's a taboo word to say in a church, but I'm saying it and we're doing it. Just accept it. We're going to have some change. Um, and I'm going to leave that hanging for now. I'm gonna, we'll, we'll hear more about that um, later on. Um, on to the sermon. I'll say in advance, though, that my, that my sermon or message this morning isn't really sermon-like. So I'm just warning you ahead of time, mainly due to the fact that it's been so long, I've forgotten how to write one. Um, <laughs> it's not really a joke. Uh, I, I sat down this week, and I'm, and I'm you know, ready, and I'm like, oh, man, where do I start? Uh, start with prayer. Oh, yeah. Um, but so it's not a sermon, per se. Um, it'll be a little bit different than what we're used to in regards to, you know, digging into scripture and going through books of the Bible and stuff, which we usually do here. But today I, I would just like to share a couple of things that, that God was revealing to me through his word over the summer. And hopefully in doing so, it'll challenge all of you as well uh, in the same way. And uh, spoiler alert, I'm going to be brutally honest and vulnerable at times. So I hope that's okay. Is that okay? Um, especially because that's part of church, right? You know, we, we, we don't come here to fake it. We come here to be brutally honest and open with each other. And then we receive each other in grace and we encourage one another and build one another up, right? That's what, that's what church should be about. So I'm, I'm going to try to model that for you this morning by, be, by doing that. But first of all, let's read the scripture passage that I want to go to. And then I want to follow it up with a story, my story, uh, and how this passage that we're going to read going to read has affected my life uh, in many ways, and hopefully it will do the same for you. So if you want to turn with me to John 15, we're going to be reading from verse 1 to 11. John 15, 1 to 11. I got this as a Father's Day present. It's so sweet. Swell water bottle. Oh, yeah. Okay. John 15, 1 to 11. This is Jesus speaking here. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. 
As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. But if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my, my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are, that you are a compassionate, gracious, loving God, Lord God. And uh, yeah, that we can just sit here and gather together in, in your presence and, and, and learn from you and, and, and know you. So, Lord God, as we go through your word this morning and, and as, as I share what's on my heart, Lord, I pray that you would just, um, just open our hearts to receive what you have for us, Lord God, that you would be glorified, first of all, Lord God, and that we, we would be changed and, and uh, just invigorated and, and refreshed in, into who we are and who you've called us and who you've saved us to be through Jesus, Lord. We give you all the glory. In his name, amen. Okay, so just over seven and a half years ago, I think it might be eight and a half years ago. I didn't check. It doesn't really matter. But at the time that my story here started, uh, interestingly enough, our current pastor at the gate, some of you might remember, was also on a sabbatical, which sadly he never returned from. And this put all of us, as you can expect, this put all of us at the church in a kind of a crazy and highly emotional scramble for, for what to do next. Right? Um, how to keep the church going. And one of the main concerns was who's going to fill the pulpit each Sunday morning. And we also had to make these decisions while we simultaneously and dishearteningly watched people we knew and love give up on the church week after week as a result of the pastor leaving. And so this, this was a really tough season. You have to understand, this is the context. This is a really tough season that I think we still feel some ramifications from today. And I had just joined the board at the time, so I was this newbie on the board, and, and it kind of, it's kind of like I just fell into this mess, right? And, and I remember sitting at one of these intense board meetings with, like, nothing to say, like, I don't know what to do, I don't know what's going on, right? And um, we got on the subject of trying to figure out the preaching schedule, and I remember thinking, I remember sitting there thinking in that moment, like, well, I do have a theology degree, uh, but, and then I was also feeling this kind of annoying nudge from God, you know, like when your younger sibling, uh, won't stop poking you as you're driving down the highway toward, in the back of the car towards your grandparents' house, you know, and, and you, you can't not think about it. It's, it's just, it's always there. Uh, you can't ignore it. And all of a sudden, I found myself volunteering against every part of the introvert in me that said, don't do it. Right? I volunteered to stand up in front of a group of people and talk. How dumb was that? Right? 
Now, again, this is before I was on staff here, right? So, so before I'd ever preached a sermon outside of a classroom in Bible college, and when I did them in the classrooms at Bible college, it was bad. Uh, and it had also been five years since I'd even graduated Bible college. So needless to say, I was pretty nervous, feeling pretty ill-equipped to be doing that. And it was one of those, you know, what have I gotten myself into moments Plus, again, due to the pastor leaving, um, people were, were leaving the church into what felt like droves, uh, which brings me back to the point that I brought up earlier that, you know, the church shouldn't be built on the pastor, right? That, because this is what happens when it is. You know, if we come to church because, because of the pastor, then when the pastor falls, then the whole church falls, right? And this happens to a lot of churches these days, unfortunately. But back to the story, this, this mass exodus from the church made, made me even more nervous at the time because I didn't want to say something stupid or do a horrible job or say something uh, heretical or something and that, that it would make even more people leave the church. So I, there was a lot, of, a lot of nerves going on, a lot of anxiety in, in this, in this uh, stupid decision that I'd made. And then on that Sunday morning, the day it was my turn to, to preach, I remember sitting at the breakfast table before the service and, and, and my, my body was like shaking nervously. You know, you know, you know, when you shake, you can't help it when you're nervous. And I was shaking so nervously and I tried to grab my coffee cup, but my, because my, but because I couldn't make a closed fist, uh, I, I, I kind of knocked it over and it just spilled all over the carpet in our dining room. And yes, I know what you're thinking. Carpet in the dining room? That's so dumb. That was the previous owner's. It's changed now. We changed it after that. Uh, this is a big stain. We had to. But then I drove to church, delivered my first sermon, and I think I was shaking the whole time. You know, the legs going, you know. Um, and it was probably terrible. In fact, I'm pretty sure it wasn't good at all. I'm pretty sure I did a horrible job. But that's beside the point. The point here is that from that moment, the trajectory of my life changed. God used that obedience to eventually bear fruit, to continually prune me from that point on and bring me to where I am today. And as it happens, that's exactly what the first sermon I ever preached that day was about. John 15, where Jesus says, I am the true vine and you are the branch. Whoever remains in me will bear much fruit. And it's crazy, when I look back now, I think that message was probably mostly for me. God was preparing me, right? setting me on a proper foundation. He was guiding me into a new calling and setting me on a foundation before he brought me into that calling. And here I am. It's like from the very beginning, God was reminding me that in order to accomplish his call, I needed to abide in him. He was speaking that to me. And don't get me wrong here. I'm not trying to brag about how faithful and and good of a person I was for, for being obedient in that moment. In fact, I can't for the life of me figure out or understand how or why, again, an introvert like me who'd rather be hiding in a room by myself, I can't figure out how I even decided to volunteer for that in the first place. And if I can be honest, Audrey and I had seriously prayed and discussed in that season whether we should leave the church or not and skip out on all that drama. Because we don't like drama. And yet now I'm in ministry, so figure that out. (laughs) Drama isn't fun, right? Besides, like I said, that first sermon was a dud. So no, this isn't about me looking for glory or trying to look holier than now or being like, look how obedient I was. Far from it. I was a weak, clueless, ill-equipped vessel. 
What I'm trying to point out instead through this story is how awesome Jesus is. How he will and he does work in us when we abide in him, regardless of our talents, our skill sets, or how prepared we are. If he calls us and we go, he'll bear good fruit. Like Rebecca, you're talking about you're not athletic, but you're doing this bike ride thing. He called you and you're going, he'll bear fruit. So Jesus, not me, is the one deserving of the glory. All I had to do was obey. All I had to do was abide. And God did the rest. God made the fruit. He didn't make fruit right away, right? Right after my sermon, it was, people were like, oh, let's leave, you know, let's get out of here. But eventually there was fruit. God does it. That's why Jesus declares that we can't even bear fruit if we don't abide in him. Right? He says that apart from him, we can do nothing. Apart from him, it's all in vain. It doesn't last. Right? He told his disciples to do nothing until the Holy Spirit came upon them because apart from him, we can do nothing. Ecclesiastes 1.14 concurs. And remember, this is in Ecclesiastes, this is King Solomon writing this, okay? He's one of the richest kings ever. He has like a hundred wives. He's arguably, arguably the wisest person, except he has a hundred wives. I don't get that. But Arguably the wisest person. So he's super smart, right? He knows everything. He had everything any man could ever want. And this is his conclusion. I have seen everything that is done under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and is striving, or some translations say chasing after the wind. That's his conclusion. In other words, if it's not for God, all this striving and toiling is vanity. It's eventually pointless, right? It gets, just gets lost in time. It's a chasing after the wind. And we know all about wind in Lethbridge. Just standing in the wind is exhausting, right? We get out, we get out in a big parking lot of Walmart or something, and the door like takes off on us, and we're sort of standing in the wind, and it's taking our breath away, right? That's exhausting. Imagine trying to catch it. Imagine if that was your life's goal to catch the wind. Not only is that impossible, but it's, it's pointless in the end. Right? <laughs> Cheryl's imagining chasing the wind. That's awesome. I still got it, guys. I still get Cheryl laughing. Anyways, if we're chasing after the wind, right, what's going to happen? We'd quickly lose heart. We'd, we'd give up, right, once, you know, once we'd exhausted all our strength and all our willpower, right? And that's what it's like trying to live this Christian life that Jesus has called us to without abiding in Christ. A chasing after the wind. It's impossible. Any semblance of fruit or success that we think we have, it just, it won't last Right? It'll just burn away. Won't have eternal impact. And eventually we'll just become exhausted and burnt out or frustrated from trying to do it all in our own strength, from trying to do it all in our own understanding and our own desires or whatever else, right? But Jesus doesn't want that for us. Right? So in this passage, he's not threatening us. He's not threatening. He's not saying, oh, if you don't abide in me, you know what? I'm going to burn you up. That's not what he's saying here. And that's often how we read this passage, right? We think, oh, man, we better abide in Jesus because I don't want to get cut away and burned in the fire. He's simply stating the truth 
that if it's not through Jesus, then we won't be able to do it. Right? It's like telling, a, telling an astronaut that there's no way that, that she's going to be able to do a spacewalk unless she wears the suit. Right? It's just common sense. What Jesus is saying here is common sense. We need Jesus. We can't bear godly fruit if it's not through God. That's why he calls us to abide. Because it's only in him and through the power and guidance of his Holy Spirit abiding in us, with God pruning us so that we can bear more fruit, that we can and will bear fruit, right? As it says in 2 Corinthians 3, 4 to 5, this is the Apostle Paul talking, right? He's talking about his, his ability to spread the gospel everywhere despite persecution, right? Despite all the naysayers, right? This, and this is what he says. Such confidence as this, such confidence as this is ours through Christ before God, right? When he's abiding in Christ, he has that confidence, Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. And I've got to be honest, after after being given the opportunity to step back this summer, which I really appreciate, and take an honest and humbling look at my heart and my motivation, I now realize that I had lost sight of that in some ways. I had lost sight of it. And to be honest, I didn't really notice the state of my heart was like that before the sabbatical started, right? I thought, oh, I was, I'm, I'm good to go. I could do this all day, all day. Turns out I couldn't. I definitely needed to hear Jesus call in John 15. I needed to be reminded of it. I needed to get back to it. I needed to receive it. I needed to submit to it. Because in a lot of ways, I was. I was chasing after the wind. Right? Toiling, striving, working, trying harder, trying to do better. But often forgetting the source. And I discovered... Or rather, I was convicted by the Spirit through John 15 that a lot of what I was carrying emotionally and spiritually was more than I was called to carry. I discovered that I was actually stressed out in many ways and becoming frustrated about things that were beyond my control. I found that I needed to confess that, that at times I probably showed up to certain events for the wrong reasons. You know, mostly because, oh, I'm a pastor. I guess I have to go to this. I guess I have to help in the kitchen. Right? I, didn't, I wasn't always showing up because I was ready and willing to serve and give my life and give to God and worship Him with my full heart, soul, mind, and strength, which we all should be ready to do when we join together. I wasn't always doing that. I also realized that at times I was trying to accomplish things or plan events or change people in my own strength and understanding. And then in the same vein, also judging the success or lack thereof of these things on worldly measures, right? On how many or on how many complaints I received or it only takes one to crush me or the size of attendance 
you know, things that I now realize definitely were affecting my confidence and at times probably tempted me to become a little apathetic, which you have to think is understandable, right? Because when we start measuring our success in these worldly terms and not in who we are in Christ, success in Christ is, is, is Jesus saying, hey, go do this thing and we go do this thing. That's success. It doesn't matter how the thing turns out. If we've been obedient to Christ, that's where our success should lie. But if we're placing our success on worldly measures, it's easy to start thinking things like, you know, what, what's the point of putting my heart into this if, if, if hardly anyone shows up to it? Or if no one's going to be grateful or if, or if everyone's going to be a critic? Right? You start feeling like that. Even if those things aren't even true, you start feeling like that. And I'm not saying I was like that all the time or everything was bleak or whatever, right? But I definitely spent a good deal of the first part of the sabbatical in repentance as God was bringing those things to light in my heart. Which I might add is a freeing and wonderful experience. Do not be afraid of repentance. It's the doorway to forgiveness. It's the doorway to freedom in Christ. We, are, we, we like to hide our stuff from God. We're just like, oh, God's going to be pissed off at me if he knows I did this thing, right? Or if I'm feeling like this or whatever, right? And, and, and so we hide it. We hide it from God. We hide it from each other. But that's not what he tells us to do. He wants us to repent. He invites us to repent so that he can quickly forgive and so that he can quickly get us back on our way. And again, I didn't know it before the sabbatical started that I needed this, but God did, Right? God's timing, and he also has a way of, of, of digging into the dark parts of our heart and our soul, right? And revealing by his light that, that sin and that, that fear and that guilt and bitterness that we don't even know is, is hiding there and affecting us, affecting our mood, affecting our outlook, affecting our worldview, affecting our desires. And he brings those things to light, and he, but he doesn't do that to bring condemnation, He reveals these things in us so that we can lay them at the cross, so that we can be rid of them and be cleansed of them, so that we can be freed from them, so that we can abide. And God knew I was carrying those things. And I needed to hear, abide in me. I needed to hear that again, which is why I think it's no coincidence. At the first message I heard this summer at one of the local churches I visited, which happened to be Via Church, which used to be called River of Life. That's the first one that we went to right at the beginning of my sabbatical. It's no coincidence that the first message was, you guessed it, the words of Jesus from John 15, abide in me. Abide in me and you will bear fruit. And kind of a, you know, a light went off in my, in, in my brain. I was like, oh Yeah. And also why I believe it's no coincidence that the last message that I heard this summer, if you were here last week, you would have heard it Blair preached it, were the words of Jesus from John 15, abide in me. Abide in me so that your joy may be complete. I think God was trying to tell me something. For real though, he was drawing me back to those beautiful words of Jesus, abide in me. Almost like a, a gentle whisper in my ear. He was, he was declaring to me, Greg, you can't keep doing this the way you're doing it. You can't keep carrying these burdens. You'll burn out. You'll lose hope. You'll give up. You'll grow weary. You won't bear fruit unless you abide in me. 
And again, this was honestly one of the most humbling, but at the same time, one of the most freeing truths that I experienced and received this summer. Foundational truth that reminded me that he's God and that I'm not. Now, how often do we try to be God? Control our own lives, control our own destinies, try to live this Christian life on our own. We try to be God, but he's God and we're not. I'm not. This truth that he brings the life-giving and fruit-bearing power, not me, right? That he saves people by his grace and changes hearts, not me. That my confidence, my competence and joy come from him alone, not my successes or what others think. That it's God who works in me, not me who works for God. That was an important one. God who works in me, not me who works for God. It's a grace that says, lay your burdens on me, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. To abide in Jesus is, is, is just to surrender to the grace and will of God. And it's amazing. Jesus is the true vine. Right? He's, he's the source of salvation. He's our confidence. He's our competence. He's our joy. He's our strength. He's our purpose. He's our help. And we're the branches. Even better, we get to be the branches. By his grace, we get to freely just draw from the vine. But here's the big question. Do we? Do we draw from the vine? It's like when we forget to drink water all day, right? And then at the end of the day, we have this terrible headache. But why do we do that? It's so dumb. We live in Canada, right? We have water easily and readily available to us through a tap in our house, right? We can buy water at the store. There's, there's water fountains everywhere. Water's everywhere. So why don't we drink it? Well, maybe it's because we're too busy or we're too focused on, on other things throughout the day. Or maybe because we're drinking pop instead and we feel refreshed in the moment. It's actually drying us out. Or maybe we're just too lazy to grab a cup from the cupboard. Just like that, Jesus was reminding me this summer that he's readily available to me, but that I've been forgetting to draw from him or that I've been drawing from the wrong sources. And again, as a result of rediscovering that truth this summer, all the stress and the pressure and exhaustion and apathy and need for perfection and the heavy burden of responsibility I was feeling and, and, the, and the, other, the feelings of failure and frustrations I was carrying from not seeing the expected results. I wanted to see all this baggage that I didn't even realize I was carrying. It all just kind of fell off of me. Like I was unloading ten times my weight. And so I guess what I'm saying is that 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 first message I ever preached, probably the worst delivered message I've ever preached, though the jury's still out, let's be honest, is also probably the worst, or sorry, is also probably the most important message I've ever preached. Not because it was a good sermon. Again, man, that was probably classified as unsuccessful. People probably wrote that in their journals. Man, this is rotten fruit. It's no good. That's the only note they took, notes they took that Sunday. Rotten fruit. But the reason that it's important 
is because it's Jesus who proclaims it about himself and invites us into it because it's foundational to, bear, to bearing good, godly fruit. And God was showing me this truth from the very beginning of my call and he brought me back to it again. And I'm so thankful for it. But the reason why I'm sharing it this morning is because it isn't just for myself. It's a call from Jesus that every Christian needs to hear daily. And I want you to hear it. Jesus' words, abide in me. I believe that we all need to rediscover and re-receive. That's not even a word. That's how important this is. I'm making up words. We need to re-receive this truth as a church as well. Because the only way we'll move forward and accomplish our passion as a church, which is to proclaim Jesus Christ for the glory of God, the only way we'll grow numerically and spiritually, and the only way we'll bear fruit through our various ministries from from Kidsgate to host team to, to community groups, the only way we'll have the passion to love and selflessly serve one another, to be all in, to desire to show up and and get together when we can, whenever we can, and and worship together every Sunday, to be committed to this church body in whatever way we can, and and to to mature in Christ, the only way we're going to be able to do those things. We We can run program after program. We can have teaching after teaching, but the only way we're going to be able to grow and to do what God's called us to do is if, first of all, we abide in Christ. Not just me, but all of us, if we abide in Christ. If not, anything we we try to do will be in vain. A chasing after the wind. We can't do it without him. And we'll learn that the hard way. We'll eventually burn out or we'll give up or our church life or Christian life will just start to feel mundane. We've all been there, right? So here's the question that I had to humbly wrestle with this summer and that I'm now going to ask each of you today to take very seriously. Are you abiding in Christ or are you chasing after the wind? Are you abiding in Christ or are you chasing after the wind? This is a serious call for us to to repent, to get back to the foundation of why we're here. Why we're sitting together in this building. A call to wake up and come back to Jesus, our Savior, an author of our faith, right? He's not just the Savior. He's the author of our faith. He doesn't just save us. He calls us in Him to live this life. And so this is important. So let's get specific. Let's get specific. Test your hearts. Answer these questions honestly. If you're feeling tired and exhausted from trying to work hard and serve in the church by your own strength or, 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 or because you feel you have to do it, Or maybe you're doing it to impress others. I encourage you, like I did, to turn and abide in Jesus. If you're burned out from serving and and, and you're just ready to give up, well, giving up isn't the answer. Instead, turn and abide in Jesus. 
And if you're feeling apathetic and wondering, oh, what's the point in all this? What's the point in serving? What's the point in investing? What's the point in showing up? I'm not getting anything out of it. Turn and abide in Jesus. If you're hurting and confused, turn and abide in Jesus. If you found it hard to worship or engage, right, maybe because you're feeling empty or maybe because you've been harboring a selfish or critical attitude toward the church, turn and abide in Jesus. If you're feeling distant from the love of God, turn and abide in Jesus. Or if you've been hesitant or unwilling to serve and use your gifts to help this church grow because you don't think you have anything to offer, or because you're feeling ill-equipped, you're feeling not ready, turn and abide in Jesus. I implore you this morning, repent and turn to Jesus. You won't regret it. Because again, as he promises, when we abide in him, when we, when we surrender to him and follow him, will bear fruit, fruit that has eternal and lasting impact in the kingdom of God. Because when we abide in him, we'll experience and know the love of God the Father. Because when we abide in him, he abides in us through his Holy Spirit, guiding us, strengthening us, interceding for us. Because when we abide in him, we're given, we're given a new and fresh perspective as we start to desire and live for that which he desires. And because as we abide in him, he brings the strength. He brings the confidence. He brings purpose and passion and joy to all that we do in his name. Let Jesus bring your dry bones back to life this morning. Abide in him. Like I said earlier, I strongly believe that God wants to use this church to impact our community for Jesus' name this year. I strongly believe that Jesus wants to make this church grow. And we have two choices as a church, two choices. We can either embrace his will as we abide in him or continue chasing after the wind and just keep going with the motions. I've decided to go all in. One sec. I've, I've decided to pick up my cross and follow Jesus. I've decided to abide and seek first the kingdom of God. And I truly hope that each of you this morning will make that decision as well. Because in doing so, I know, I know we'll bear good fruit. And as Blair emphasized last week, as we abide in him, our joy will be complete and full. And above all, God will be glorified. Abide in Jesus. And on that note, and since I can't talk anymore... I want to now invite Tina to come up. Most of you know Tina, I think. And she's going to share with us how she's already made that decision as well. A couple of weeks ago, I received a passionately written email from her, pretty much saying exactly what I've been feeling. And so I asked her to share that this morning with us. It's kind of an exclamation mark on my message. And so come on up. 
and uh, she agreed to share, so I appreciate that. So take it away. Thank you. I mean, first of all, I'm just totally blown away with what he was saying. Um, God has been this summer really um, working on my heart, and a lot of what um, Pastor Greg was saying just has really been coming strongly down and on my heart. And um, one thing God showed me is as new mothers... Um, we enter when our kids are little to this survival mode because it is hard to raise little kids. And we go through this, okay, let's just get through today and let's just get by. And that one day turns into a week and turns into a month, turns into a year where we're just living in that survival mode of just let's just get by. And um, what's horrible about that is we miss so much when now that Johnny's 10 I look back at when I was living in that survival mode I didn't take time to cherish and just bask in that wonderful time of when they're little because of this cursed survival mode so um, one thing God was showing me is that how this is so much of what we and me have entered in our Christian walk that we've entered a survival mode we come on Sunday, we come to church and go through our motions, go home, make lunch, Monday go back to work, you know, we cook and clean, and then Saturday night get ready to go do it all over again. And it's like I myself have entered this just passionless walk where I still love God. He's still so important to me, but it's just, you know, there's no connection. And... um it's just, I've, we've really become apathetic in our Christian walk and just lifeless, where that God is just gone from us. Um, the reason why this is so bad, I mean, of course we know it, but if you think of when we're, our life is over, what do we take with us? We can have nothing. This is all just meaningless and pointless. The only thing that we can take with us is people. And how are we drawing people to to God with us if we're if we're living in this apathy and um, so that's why God is just so you know what don't waste this life that we have because what yes we can have just a bad week but then it stretches out and it's that's why it's we need to kick ourselves and get into it when I did email this to Greg um, I just was typing frantically of all this stuff that God was pouring on my heart and what he emailed back to me just even shocked me even more. He said, okay, what are you willing to do and sacrifice to get yourself out of this apathy and to help our church get ourselves out of this? And I was like, that is, that's true. Like, I can't just have the revelation and then not just live in it. So I know for me is that I'm, like, totally connected to my phone. I love to message people back right away. I like to, I'm obsessed with looking up the news on CNN and that's, I have a connection with my phone and social media, like we sh- I should be connecting to God. And if I think about pray without ceasing, God always be in community with me, how I have with my phone, let's, I want to do that with God. So I am just like I said to Greg, I just want to commit to just putting that aside so that I can connect with God and like as he said, abide in him. 
and not abide with all these other things. Because as a mother, I relate to mothers most because I'm a mother, 80% of my time is for the kids. And then I have a little bit left for Bracer. (laughs) And then at the end of the day, I'm like, hey, no, this is for me. I just need time for me right now. And then God was speaking to me. Okay, so where do I fit in? What part, what time do I get for you? I get five minutes at the beginning with devotions or at the end when God should be our our center. So that's just basically what God's been sharing with me. Oh, where'd he go? Oh, there he is. Thank you for sharing. I really appreciate that. I was actually really excited when uh, I received her email and because and, I'm like, that, that's just what I'm feeling. So I was really excited that, that um, you know, God's not just speaking to me in that way, but, but uh, I believe he's speak, speaking to each of your hearts in that way, that he's calling us back to him to abide in him. And, and we're going to have communion now. Um, I'm going to pray first, though. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for this church. I thank you that, that you have called each one of us in this community, Lord God. You've called us for a purpose. You've called us to, to display your kingdom, to be lights to the world, to advance and proclaim your gospel, your good news of salvation to the world, Lord God. You've called us to live uh, amazing, joyful lives, Lord. Not lives that are always easy but always filled with your joy and your strength and the confidence that you give us, Lord God. And so I pray that if any of us here this morning are feeling dry, Lord God, are feeling apathetic or feeling tired or exhausted or whatever else, or just distracted, Lord God, that you would draw each one of us back to you, that you would center our hearts on on the source, on the true vine, on Jesus Where there's forgiveness and there's grace and mercy and confidence to endure, to move forward in who you've called us to be, Lord. We just surrender to you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.